Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Grief fundamentally changes who we are and how we see the world. It's painful and heartbreaking, but also transformative and magical. This podcast is about grief and loss, but more importantly, it's about life and living fearlessly. I'm Kelsey Chittick, and welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Grieve. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here today, and I think you're going to love this interview that I'm doing because in the past, we've been talking to a lot of people that have moved through grief or they're in different phases or it's been a couple years, but our guest today is in the thick of it. And I'm excited to talk to someone about that because I think it's important that we know the transitions that happen through grief. So today, our guest is a TV host, a food reporter, a parenting expert, an amazing mom, an amazing chef. She does all the things that I don't know how to do, and she does it brilliantly. She has two small kids, and I'd like to welcome my friend and neighbor, Brandy Malloy. Hi. Thank you for having me. You're so lovely. I'm so glad you're here. It's funny. I want to back up a little bit because about six months ago, I wrote a book, and we knew each other, but we didn't know each other. But for Mm -hmm. some reason, you really connected to the book. And it was, we had, we had met each other on another podcast. We had seen each other in the neighborhood, but I remember thinking when you called me or wrote me about the book, I was like, mm, this is really, this is really touching her. Yeah. I say that because I believe that people's souls begin to leave months and weeks and years before they actually go. And I think sometimes when we have a, a, a deep connection to grief or a deep mm-hmm. connection to someone's loss, it's it's an opportunity to kind of pay attention. Yeah. And so I'd love to start by sharing your, for you to share your story around where you are and what your loss has been and, and where you are in grief from a timeline perspective. Well, you know, I, I think about your book and I immediately think of my dad because my dad loved to read. I mean, he would digest a, a novel in a weekend. The man was 81 years old and just so smart and so funny and so with it. And I loved your book. I mean, it was inspiring and gut-wrenching and beautiful and funny and 
hard to get through. And I knew that my dad would really want to hear your story and learn about Nate and your family. And so I got him a copy of your book and got it in his hands. And we would talk five times a day. I mean, I would tell him if I'm like in the middle of making a tomato sandwich and gosh, I wish you were here to try this. I just got this new bread from the farmer's market. I'd call him on the way to pick up my daughter. Oh my gosh, I just ran into that neighbor. Remember I told you what happened? I mean, best friend. And he called me and he said, Bran, I'm having a hard time getting through this book. It's it's hard. It's hard to read. And she's such an amazing storyteller and I need to meet her. And I, I want to, you know, I want to meet her when I'm there. And I'm so grateful that you gave me this book. And yeah, that there was something about your story that connected us even deeper than yeah. we already, we already were. Yeah. So so tell us how how long ago did your dad pass away? Oh, my dad passed not even four months ago. Okay. Yeah. And it was, it was out of nowhere. You know, it was that morning we were on our way to bring my daughter to her first little dance recital. And we have a mutual friend that was part of the recital. And I actually saw her and she was a little nervous. And I just taken a picture of my daughter to send to my dad and mom. And and anywho, you were there and you were, you know, giving her some encouragement and it was just a busy morning, but I was so excited. My mom had just sent me a text saying, I made breakfast burritos for your dad. And he's, you know, teasing me, he's going to go to the bathroom or something, something sure. along those lines. Yeah. And then, you know, some time passed and I was at home wrapping Christmas presents. Cause this is back in December. I'm wrapping Christmas presents at the table and I see my mom's calling me and my mom and I are, are close, but we, you know, when we were talking, it wasn't because she'd call me or I'd call her. It's like, I'm talking to my dad and he passes for the phone. Mm-hmm. And there was something about seeing her calling me that I knew something was wrong. I didn't know what was wrong, but something's mm-hmm. wrong. And she's just screaming. She's like, daddy fell, you know, he's in the bathroom and he collapsed. And I try, you know, I know he's gone. He's gone. He flatlined. They said he flatlined. I'm like, did you call 911? I was really calm. I was very much processing like, what, what is she saying? My dad is so strong. He did a marathon, like at age 79. I mean, the man was so physically fit and mentally fit and spiritually fit. I mean, the way he strengthened my relationship with my faith and God every single day, the way, you know, he gardened, like he did everything you're supposed to do mentally, physically, spiritually. I I was so confused. Didn't understand. I put her on speakerphone for my husband to hear and she's losing it. He's not breathing. We called the paramedics he's gone. I know he's gone. He collapsed in the bathroom. I couldn't open the door. There was blood on his lip. I'm like, mom, he's so strong. It's going to be okay. Get to the hospital. We're on our way. We're packing the car. And I mean, maybe in 30 minutes, we packed up our four and two-year-old son woke him up. I mean, I remember to like start the dishwasher and get the fruit out of the fridge and just get in the car. And uh, it was about two hours into the drive. So we live, you know, in LA and we're still in California. Two hours into the drive, my best guy friend is like, hey, we're at the hospital. Your mom's talking to the doctor. My mom's friend is like, Bran, we're here. You know, my sister's on her way. Everyone's like crying, can't even speak. And I'm very much like, it's going to be okay. I called my dad B-Dog, Bernard Sonny Malloy. I'm like, B-Dog's going to be okay. He's so strong. This is okay. 
everything's fine. I'll be right there. I don't believe it's time yet. I don't believe God is calling him home. I, I like, he's going to teach Millie how to drive when she's 16. Like we, God and I had an agreement here. This is not happening. Oh, oh yeah. No, no, we're not, we're not done here. And, uh, my sister calls me and she says, am I on speaker? And I couldn't hear her. She's like, am I on speakerphone? I'm like, what? I'm like, what do you know? You're not on speaker. What's going on? And she's like, Brian, he passed. I mean, we lost it, lost it, lost it, lost it. I just didn't understand. I was like, there's no way in the world that my sister is telling me my dad's gone. Like, if anyone's going to tell me that, it's going to be my mom. Like, my mom's supposed to call me. How, how dare you, like, give her that responsibility? I was so confused. I'm like, I'm still in California. We're not even, like, I mean, we're not even close to being there. So then I had, like, seven hours. My parents live on the border of Arizona and Mexico in this tiny town called Sierra Vista. It's a military town. So you have to like get to Phoenix and then you still have three hours left. And my husband lost it. He was very close to my dad. And then we had, you know, a six hour drive with my four and two year old and I'm just processing. It was the worst drive. You know, it's like, for what, why am I even driving back? And I knew my dad wanted to be cremated. And I immediately was like, what, what are they going to do with him? Like, do, am I going to make it in time? I didn't know how long are we paying for an embalming? I mean, I just, I also didn't want to believe it. I didn't believe it until I was there. And, you know, I'm, I'm not even four months in and every day is different and it's, it's rough. <laughs> oh, I, I, I know how you feel. A lot of people know how you feel. And I think there's just no way to describe loss as I think the first big loss I think the next one will still be shocking to me but I now have a mechanism in my heart and my brain that says this does happen mm-hmm. to other people than just people on the news mm-hmm. this does happen to me and there is this humbling moment when you realize your whole life you've known people are dying and you know people have been grieving yeah and you understand that life ends and begins but it isn't until you have that experience of that phone call. And I, I always talk about everybody has that one phone call that takes you to your knees. And that was it for you. And what's interesting to me that you talked about is that your brain cannot, you cannot believe it's happening. Yet we all know it's going to happen. It's yeah. the one thing in a life. And it's even different than birth. Because I remember when I had my kids, I was like, no, you came out of my vagina and you're here. I knew that was going to happen. Still can't believe it. Mm-hmm. But like, it makes sense when someone you love is gone, gone, and you didn't get to say goodbye and you didn't get to tell them all the things you needed to tell them, or you didn't have enough time, or you had expectations of the future. The mind games you play are exceptional. It actually starts to feel it. And I don't know if this was the same for you, but like you're on a different planet where nothing makes sense anymore. Oh, complete out of body experience. And, uh, you know, all of those things you just said is, is a hundred percent. It, nothing is processing. Nothing matters. I am completely in tune with my faith. I believe in God. I, you know, believe all of the things and none of that matters because you just don't understand. I mean, it, yeah, I was in a complete fog. And what's hard too is I also was the person that planned the funeral and wrote the eulogy and, you know, chose the marker. And my dad was a Vietnam veteran. So there was a lot of beautiful things we got to do for his funeral. And so you have to continue to move your body and use your brain. But I 
it's a complete fog. I barely remember that, that two weeks I was yeah. in Arizona. I think if you're in, you know, if people are listening and they're in the early phases, you know, you really are, it's, it's this unique opportunity that's absolutely horrible to fully live in the present moment because you, you can't even believe where you can't even believe what's happening. Every step, every question, every request is unbelievable. And I, I remember thinking like, oh, I'm going insane. I'm literally going insane because first of all, this won't work. So this, unfortunately, God, this like doesn't work for me. So mm-hmm. we're going to have to, I don't know how you're going to fix it or what's going to happen here because this doesn't work. And I think the planning of, because we are so unprepared in our culture and we talk about it so little and like we shield people from, I mean, I had never been to a funeral. I mean, I think I've been to one. I didn't really know anything about the process of cremation or where, where's a coroner's office or where's the morgue or where's his body or what did they do with it? Like none of this yeah. is discussed in our culture until it happens to you. That's a whole nother podcast that somehow we normalize birth. I know every single thing about every person's vagina and C-section yeah. and epidural and what happens if a baby doesn't do well. And when the NICU team, I know nothing about death. Nothing. You know what's interesting, Kelsey, is my parents talked about death but they would always say, you know, your mother's going to die first. My mom would right. say, you know, your dad's going to outlive all of us because of he's so healthy and he does, you know, makes all the right decisions. So they would talk about it all the time that because my mom has all these health issues and so forth, that there's no way that my dad, who is so strong and all the things would leave us before her. Yeah. Did he die of a heart attack? That's what we think. Yeah. It's interesting too, because, and obviously Nate died of a heart attack and I Mm -hmm. thought he was the healthiest person in the world. It's, it's funny because some doctor told me, you know, you can be really out of shape Mm -hmm. and fat and, and stressed, but if you don't move a lot, you can live a long time, which is why nursing homes are filled, but it's the people that are really going for life and exercising and running the marathons and doing the things that eventually those organs just give out. And your dad was 81. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a, what, what we may consider a good life in terms yeah. of years. Cause I, mm-hmm. I'm really kind of over this idea that if you make it to 82, you, you lived a good life. And if you made it to 10, you didn't, because if you do have faith in something, you've got to believe it. It, it, it's all a good life there. It, we can't, I can't, I can't sit around anymore and say that there's like a perfect time to go like at 86 and your sleep is what we all want. Right. Once you've said goodbye to everybody and closed up your house and sold it. And And had the party, the party before you died. Like as if, like we wouldn't all be afraid of it if we knew we could pick the day and the time and the way. So Mm -hmm. part of that faith is just knowing that it's out of our control. But I think, like you said, even when you have faith in God, in the beginning, grief, that doesn't give you a ton of peace because you still miss the physicality. So talk to me about just that. Like a lot of people think grief is in your head. It's in your body. Oh, I lost so much hair. I lost more hair than when I had my babies. Oh yeah. It's stress. And so much stress. I mean, the thought of cooking a meal, knowing that I need to feed my children. I think that something that's important is everyone thinks, oh, okay, so since you're a mom, you still have to get up because you have kids to take care of. And to a certain degree, you do kind of need to figure it out. But still to this day, obviously it's four months in. There are so many days where I don't want to parent. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to hang out with my husband. I don't want to talk to people, see people. And I already was like an extrovert homebody. Yeah, me too. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love people, but I love people like away from uh-huh. me. So that, yeah, there's this physical side that completely pulls you. I, I describe it as, let's say, you know, you haven't worked out in years, weeks, whatever, and you do a workout and someone pushes you and you do arms and legs and abs and your whole body is sore. I mean, it's you're sore yeah. to go pee, you're sore to put on your seatbelt. That's how I feel. That's, right. that's how I feel. Every piece of my body is just aching. It's agonizing. And, and I've, I've created health issues in the last four months because of this. Oh, 100%. I feel. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm going back to the age thing. I just have to say like, you know, when I, when I put my dad's birth date and birth year or birth date and death date, I guess, reunion date, I just kept thinking like, yeah, he was 81, but I only had him 38 years. Mm. You know, my kids only had him four years and everyone wants to say like, oh, we lived a full life. And he did. I mean, the man did. He didn't even meet my mom until he was 42. So his life really didn't even start, in my opinion, until he like started us, you know, our family. But I only had him for 38 years and it Mm. it doesn't feel like it was never going to be enough. It never feels like it's Let's talk about that because I have, before Nate died, I have done some horrible and said some horrible things to people who were grieving. And what I, I remember a couple years before Nate died, one of my girlfriend's fathers died. And I want to back up because I think everybody has a person in their life. And some people, it's their husbands. A lot of women I know, it's their father and they love their husbands, but they go to their dad for a lot. I don't have that relationship with my father at all. I had that with my grandfather, but Nate was my person. He kind of was my father role. He, I grew up with him. My dad wasn't really around as much uh, involved in my life, but I have had two friends. But the first one that lost her dad, he was like 84 and he was sick and he died. And I remember being like, cry me a river. Like, I don't know. Like he's 84. He, he, you guys had the best life together. And the way I supported her was as awful as you could imagine. I remember being, she came and she couldn't talk. She couldn't breathe. She's like, he's my dad. I talked to him 15 times a day. And I was like, well, what did, you know, and I didn't say this, but it was around this bad. Like, well, what did you expect? He's like 84. And it wasn't until Nate died that I realized it doesn't matter when someone dies. If if they're your person, if they're your go-to, if they're the person that inspires you, comforts you, is there for you. And then if you are also left with someone else in the family that they used to be responsible for, mm-hmm. that now you are fully responsible for, but you always used to go through them. So I have a couple friends who lost fathers that were their person. 
And now they're left with a mother whom they love, but who their direct relationship was through their dad to their mother. Yeah. It is a load that is hard to describe. Is that something that you experienced? Yeah. I'm like, is she talking about me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that is. I mean, my dad was my person. And even the day that I married my husband, my husband knew like yeah. you're my husband and you live in this husband world and you're a great husband, but my person is my dad and it will yeah. always be my dad. And the fact that they got to become so close and he really understood that. And now he grieves with me is such a blessing because he gets it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, my dad, my dad was everything. And he also was like the best part of our family and yeah. really anchored all of us. And so now being the oldest daughter and having two siblings that were extremely dependent on my dad and a mother that was extremely dependent yes. on my dad, it feels like there is so much, you know, on top of the grief, there's this overwhelming responsibility that I have to make sure that the roof isn't leaking, yes. that my mom knows how to pay bills. I mean, she had never yep. even done online baking before. Yep. She, you know, my dad did the grocery shopping. You know, there's there's a lot. It feels like the weight of everything after that. And, you know, I I immediately got into therapy. So I had never done any type of therapy before, but I've always been a huge believer in therapy. And I found a grief therapy program that just ended. I also am part of two grief support groups. And you're, yeah, you're just I, like, you're, you're like the, you're like me. You're like the over overachieving griever. Like we're like, I'm like I we're going to do this, this. we're going to do it. No, I know. It's like, you'll see type A people throw themselves into grief work like we do yeah. because we just, we're like, well, we've got to get the tools and the resources and it helps. And it does help. It helps. It's the truth is, and I hated this, and I want to talk about these two sayings that I hate. Time heals. I hated when people said that. I actually got comforted by he lived a good life because Nate was so young that I was like, well, thank God he did because he just got his time cut in half and we totally got screwed, it felt like. But now almost five years out, I'm like, no, he lived an exceptional life. And if time is if time is relative and if we're all just energy and souls and only his body gave out at 42. Well, then I have no clue what he's doing right now, but I'm certain it's pretty badass. You know, like it's not over. It's just over in this realm. And I think for you, I'm sure you get that a lot. Well, he lived a good life. And the truth is, as time goes on, as annoying as this is, you back out from the grief and you just see this life and you're so honored to have been been his. I mean, I knew it when I was a kid. I knew that no one, I mean, all of my friends would say, gosh, your dad's so lucky. I wish I had a dad like yours. And I knew it. And I think there's so much peace in knowing that I just cherished this man so much. And as soon as I, you know, was making my own money, I loved spoiling him and my mom. And, you know, he was the best part of them. You know, they were such a unit. And so, yeah, luckily I feel like that was immediate for me. I just kept focusing on like how, if, if grief is love and grief is pain and that's the price of love, you know I mean? It hurts so bad because he was so amazing. Exactly. You miss and, him the more yeah. that you loved him. So it's this double-edged sword that a lot of people lose people and they're like, oh, I miss him, but it was it doesn't change my life. And so there's sadness in that because it wasn't so deep. So you can, and so if you are in early grief and you feel like shit and that it's just the worst thing in the world, just know on the other side of that is this great gratitude at some point when your neurology basically begins to accept a new world. And I think what people don't realize when we say time heals, time heals because there isn't a world yet that you imagine without your father in it. Mm -hmm. Every story, every phone call ends with him. So how can you walk around in a world that 
doesn't have the person that ends in it. Eventually, as time goes on, new neuropathways fire and it ends with your husband or it ends with a friend. And they begin to become just ever present, but not so present in those particular moments that take you to your knees over and over again. I think there's so much healing in a lot of the physical. And that's something that I actually learned through my grief therapist is coming up with a consistent routine. And yes. there's there's power in rhythm. And I mean that by moving your body at least every day for a 30-minute walk. I mean, so we came up with a plan for me. And a lot of this I was already doing. We're so lucky to live by the water. And I love taking my beach walks. And, you know, time doesn't necessarily heal in the way that you just explained, you know, that some people think, but what does heal is getting up every morning, is taking the shower, is moving your body, is talking about him. I love talking about my dad. I want everyone to ask me about him. I want to share all the stories. I don't want to forget anything. Um, crying helps me heal journaling, reading. So, uh, I think that, and and a lot of this, I have reminders on my mirror. I have um, this video where I shared all these sticky notes that are on my mirror now. And it's like, forget affirmations. Like I'm just trying to survive throughout the day. And they're kind of like grief affirmations. And some of those is just, you know, I survived the hardest day. Like today might feel like the worst day in the world, but it's not because I already survived the hardest day. And the hardest day was hearing that my world just ended. And so if there are people listening that feel like, you know, you get into a rhythm and then you fall down again, or you don't even know how to get up in the morning, I had to write reminders down so that I was forced to read them because people would give me stacks of books and it's like, I'm not even there. I mean, I'm not. I can barely even, you know, make it to the bathroom and force myself to drink water. That's not the time. The time is like me being able to just feed my kids, take care of myself, shower, and and those kind of post-it notes that I've put up for myself yeah. remind me of that. I love the walking. I I mean, I think a lot of people in town think I'm insane and I'm fine with that, but I have walked my way through grief in circles, mm-hmm. up and down. When you move your body, you kick into a different mode. It doesn't mean you'll not do a lot of sitting and crying, but there is something extremely therapeutic about walking. Mm-hmm. Not Barry's boot camp. Yeah. Not anything, you know, literally just moving your body and being, I try to grab the trees and our trees in our neighborhood. Our neighborhood environmentally doesn't really soothe me, but I do grab onto the trees and I yeah. hug them and I say like, there's something bigger than me out there. So I love that you're walking. I, I walk also on the strand every morning around 545. And I sometimes feel like everybody that's out there is grieving because wow. either that or they're like super into triathlons and they're just going for it. But I always look around and I'm like, whoever got up here by themselves and is walking in the dark, there's a reason they have to do this before their day begins. And I sometimes think like, if I asked each of them, what did you go through that made you need this? Because they're not running. They're not trying to get fit. They're not trying to like get their abs. They're walking because they have to. So it's a meditative walk. And they're probably listening to either religious music or country music or something that makes them feel. And I love that. So I could talk to you for hours, but I we've got a couple more questions. What did I want to ask you in terms of when you talked a lot on your Instagram about what, what people say that doesn't help? And oh. I know, I know those. So we don't need to go about those because if you're grieving, you already hate those people and those things that they say. What are like the two things that really brings you peace or you feel seen and heard when people say to you right now in these early phases? When someone validates that he was my world. Uh-huh. When they say, I loved hearing stories about him, or if they had the chance to meet him and they say, 
he really was such a great person. That just gives me, that makes my heart feel full. It validates my loss. It, it makes me feel like they're in it, that they respect that loss. I had this really hard time with people not recognizing the fact that my dad served our country. I mean, I really was like, my dad wasn't just my dad. Like he was a soldier for 40 plus years. He was a Vietnam helicopter pilot. He fought for our freedoms. Like he is an exceptional person. And when people really didn't, you know, they just thought like, oh, he was in his eighties and he died. And you should know this because that's what happens when people get old. I'm like, it's more than that. (laughs) So, so the one thing was just validating that loss by, by saying that. I love that. And also for me, someone saying, I'm sorry. And I wish there was, you know, I wish there was more I could say. I appreciate when someone like actually is trying. I think what's been hard is when people don't say anything at all. Mm. And I think something else that's been helpful is when people give like concrete things that they would like to do. And maybe it's because I'm a mom, but saying, I would like to drop off a meal for you. Does Wednesday or Thursday work? Yes. And just send me, text me what you want and I'll bring it. Please do not make me a cream of mushroom casserole because we didn't eat it when people were alive and we're sure as hell not going to eat it when people are dying. (laughs) Oh man. Casseroles need to be like taken off the list. If you're not eating them when you're happy, you shouldn't be eating it when you're sad. That's my, that's what I think. But you know what, Kelsey, I want to do a whole video on the food you shouldn't give people. Yeah. Because there's, there's more than that. So I received a cake. My mom received a cake and I just wanted to scream because I'm like, a cake is for celebrating and maybe you mean well, but like, this isn't a birthday. And I wanted to light the candle and like shove it up their face. Right. Right. So maybe I'm picky, you know, I'm like, um, you know, what would have been nice is some greens and something actually like give me some sustenance, not some sugar to just make me crash and cry and want to take a warm bath and slip my wrist. I get it. Okay. The last question is... And I, your dad sounds exceptional. He sound, and you are so lucky that you had yes. a great relationship with him. So many people never experience that, and that, and the love of a father for a woman is game changing in terms of what you believe you can do. Yeah. And I guess what would you and I you you can't say you want he would want you to be happy, but if he could just jump on this podcast right now and just tell you one thing he wanted for you for the rest of your life, and it can't be that you're happy because we all know feelings come and go, and nothing teaches you that more than grief. You can be devastated one minute and then like ready to go out the next. What would he say to you? Oh man, if B Dog was here, he would tell me to live the way he did. Mm. And, and, and the specific things that he cared about was he just, he had his priorities straight. So I think he would really sit me down and say like, you have such a blessed life. You're healthy. You have a family, you have friends, you have an amazing community at home, at church, at work, like live the way I did. You know, he made friends in the line at Seven Eleven getting his lotto ticket. If someone had a flat tire, he would gladly pull over and help them and then teach them along the way. You know, he loved people. And I think he would remind me that I also have this gift of connection the way he did and to be like him, to make, to make friends and to really, you know, share my blessings with others. I love it. I love it. Well, you are doing great. And I say that to people because it is work. Grief is work. And you can either choose to engage in it or feel bad about it or be annoyed by it. The people that I've seen that are doing exceptional things after grief have decided to work through it and take it as a blessing for growth and take the pain and say like, how can I become more 
enlightened, connected. And I think you're doing that. I'm, I'm sorry that it hurts so much. I'm sorry that you miss him so much. And I'm so glad that he was exceptional. So thank you for coming on. We'll, we'll catch up with you in like two years and you'll be like, okay, well, this is where I am because it really is a beautiful yeah. and painful path. So I look forward to hearing what gifts he leaves you from his death that you never expected. Grieving and growing, you know, and every day I am just so open to receiving those signs from him. And yeah, no, I look forward to two years from now as well and being able to share those things with you. Perfect. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening. And remember, keep going. It gets better. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.